Welcome to the Wake and Take Podcast. On today's show, we sit down with Davis Kim from Pro Football Focus. Davis talks about what PFF is, what they do in the famous grading system uh, that you see on Sunday Night Football and other places. Uh, great interview here in person with Davis Kim, and football fans will really enjoy that one. Then we talk Minnesota Twins and the horrendous series against the Houston Astros, losing on Wednesday 3-1, to uh, dropping their 18th consecutive playoff game the most uh, in North American sports history. We break down all of that and, and give our reactions uh, from yet another postseason loss from the Minnesota Twins. Then we talk Minnesota Gophers and the huge news uh, that broke earlier today. Rashad Bateman will be allowed to play for the Golden Gophers this fall. Big news for Rashad Bateman. We break down all of that today. Get it, Zachary. In New Orleans, they call the rising sun, and it's been a ruin of many a poor boy. And God, I know I've won. We now welcome on Davis Kim from Pro Football Focus. And Davis, great to have you here, first of all. And for those who don't know what Pro Football Focus is, can you explain the company uh, a little bit and what you do? Yeah, so basically they're a subscription-based football data company where they give out player grades, and also they use their platform through social media or Sunday Night Football, for example, to forecast the grades and kind of give more information to viewership audiences. And speaking of Sunday Night Football, is Chris Collinsworth the majority owner of the company, or is he just one of the owners? Because uh, I know he's got a big stake in it, right? Yeah, uh, he's just. I think he's just the majority owner. Okay, yeah. gotcha. Have you had the chance to meet the majority owner yet? I know you're kind of <laughs> new to PFF. I uh, I have not yet. <laughs> not yet. <laughs> Maybe someday. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And how many people work for the uh, for the company for PFF? So I'm not sure exactly in total, but. I know for my team, there's a little under 400 people doing what we do. Wow. So, yeah, that's incredible. Yeah. And we talked a little bit before we started recording here. You said one, like, how, how long does one game take you? And you don't even take, like, both sides of the ball. So, you, you were saying beforehand, you even take, like, Army offense and, and the other side's defense. And that can take up to 10 hours, you said it sometimes. But what is, like, a typical game? So, like, uh, if you do, if you're doing both sides of the ball for both teams and you've, kind of been in practice doing it while you can maybe six to eight hours college games might take longer than NFL games because they have more plays and some of their formations may be a little bit more bizarre Mm -hmm. but so like six eight hours but it can especially when you start off take 10 plus hours just to Jesus do the collection (laughs) wow (laughs) and I was I was looking PFF up on Wikipedia and it said that you guys analyze and do stats for Every single NFL game each week and every single Division One college football game yep. each week. So is that in college football, there's so many Division One teams and you guys have hundreds of employees, like you said. But is that literally what you do Monday through Friday or maybe in the weekends with the game going, just watching film all day long? Because I imagine NFL, but especially college football, takes so long to get all those games processed and analyzed. 
Oh yeah. So basically there's uh like two sides of it where they have someone doing like the live data. So that's maybe like they kind of have more leeway that there might be more mistakes and whatnot because it's a shorter period of time. But then they also have And that's what you're doing now, right? That live data. Yeah. At least for this I do a little, army game coming yeah, up. I do a little bit of I will be doing both, but uh also they have someone later in the week that does it, but they have like a less restrictive timeline to get it done. Mm. So then they kinda use that to make sure it's like as accurate as possible. Uh, let's take a step back here, I guess. And can you kind of explain the grading system? So it's it's every single player on every play, at least from what I understand, every player has either a minus two or a plus two. Is that right so far? Yeah. And so every player gets a grade on every play based on not necessarily the outcome of the play, but the outcome of their performance in a play. So let's say the quarterback throws a great ball, hits the receiver right in the hands, and the receiver drops the ball. The quarterback probably gets a plus two rating or maybe not quite a plus two, but something, a plus something if they threw a great ball. And the receiver is likely getting a negative grade. Is that yeah. kind of accurate? Yeah, pretty much. So it's it's kind of basically sort of like that's for like the fan experience that sometimes, for example, like, if a quarterback throws a pass and the, it's perfect and the receiver tips up and it's a pick, then that interception is going to show up in the box score for the quarterback. So you'll, unless you watch the game, you might look – it can be deceiving. Mm-hmm. So basically, like the best plays in the game, they'll receive like a – like you said, a score of a, like two points. And then – so – but then also like – I think they use on the website as an example like the 2009 NFC Championship game, Brett Favre interception. Mm-hmm. Thrown across his body was uh, like a the worst possible. That's a minus two. Yeah, okay. I think most most plays kind of are either just like slightly negative or slightly positive. So like it's really the bigger plays that add to the grade. Gotcha. So like a plus two to get the best score possible would that have to be like a thirty yard touchdown or like a negative two Holton Hill getting burnt for a touchdown, which we've seen a lot this season. Yeah, but. <laughs> yeah. No kidding. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so like. In recent memory, I could think like a like a plus two, probably for like the this last Vikings game would be like Justin Jefferson's like breakout touchdown, mm-hmm. yep. seventy one yep. yards, where yeah. it was a good pass, and then also like he made an amazing play to get loose. So, what yeah. about those uh, the last five yards, those dance steps he had going in? Yeah, what are those? Which the me. reporter referred to uh, hopscotch or hopscotch? Yeah, which might have been the might have been the, hit the whitest comment yeah. ever, <laughs> yeah. but. Yeah. You get extra points for that or no? Uh, no. <laughs> no extra. So that was, I guess, one of the criticisms I had later on to talk about, but I was just reading the Wikipedia on what is PFF, and they said the, the criticism segment said, some people say that it's too opinion-based, and it doesn't really seem like it'd be very opinion-based because you're pretty much watching, let's say, the left tackle. Does he do his job on a run block? It's pretty easy to say, yes, he did his job, or no, he didn't do his job. So I, I don't really see the side of the criticism, but what, what kind of criticisms do you see from people to like attack you if, if you do at all? Um, so I definitely get how, because there's like a point in which where if someone's looking at the play and they are grading it, then it kind of does become more uh, subjective rather than mm-hmm. objective instead of looking at the stats, which is what's good about stats. But I think like, I think of it more as it's uh, just another way to look at things. And also the people that are doing it have, a very specific guidelines how they're grading plays and also they're very uh like uh, experienced with watching the game and knowing how to analyze the game so i think that gives maybe get can give like audiences comfort that it's pretty solid and pretty reliable but uh yeah i i mean um 
Well, I think you said it. You know, it was a good way to put it. It's another way to look at the game. It's not the way to look at the game, maybe, yeah. but I mean, it's just another way on top of maybe the more analytical um, data, which is kind of what the argument was for, for the only criticism once, which I didn't even know why they had a criticism section on the Wikipedia page. We can go through and clean that up for you, <laughs> for your company, rather. <laughs> you just tell Chris. For to, your uh, request. Yeah, yeah, for your request. Tell Chris to just send us a thank you, like maybe a little basket or something. Yeah. We'll, we'll be happy with that. Oh, definitely. <laughs> but yeah, I see it all the time, like, a lot on social media, mm-hmm. but like not on PFF accounts. Like it'll be on like the NFL account or like well-known sports accounts that like here are the top graded mm-hmm. centers for week three. And then they'll have like the PFF logo or like brought to you by PFF. So obviously a lot of people use this and are turning to it more and more. I could assume both in the college level and the NFL level. Um, can you talk? I know you're somewhat newer to the company, but can you talk on like what it's actually like providing that info to the NFL or to college football like coaches and NFL coaches? Because uh, I'm assuming that this data any, yeah. and information is being sold yeah. to the coaches. Or what's and like what's kind of the interaction? Is it being sold? Are they like buying subscriptions to PFF and then they're taking that data, or is there like a communication with them all season? What's the kind of the, the relationship? So I don't personally, I guess, deal with that in particular, but I do know that there's like different levels of subscription bases. Mm -hmm. So like an average consumer could just purchase like the basic subscription. And then through that, they can like just see all the grades for all the players and get some like basic info. But then there's also like tiers and you can get like build all the way up to like the elite tier where then Mm -hmm. you're really like they're grading someone on their like pass, passer, pass blocking grade, their run blocking grade, uh, like pretty much as specific as you can think of. Mm -hmm. So it's, really dissecting like every single part of the game so but i think i think really like the main like from a consumer engagement perspective i think the nice thing is like if you like tune into sunday night football and they do the like famous player like uh introductions Mm -hmm. or they all say their name and what school they went to it like we'll say pff like six out of 120 or whatever and i think especially if you're not don't know both of the teams as well it kind of gives you an idea of like oh how like good this player is to watch out like another instead of just the announcer saying this guy's going to be great yeah right. huh. <laughs> i didn't know that was pff at the bottom who does yeah. that yeah. but i see it all the time yeah and they only do that on sunday night football right yep that's exclusive with nbc that's pretty cool yeah, and Chris obviously Collins Collins yeah. that game yeah yep. and i kind of was reading i didn't actually read the story but i saw a headline about it that it said collinsworth like pff so much he decided to buy it so i think that's kind of funny yeah. <laughs> 2016 just like you know what i love this company i'm gonna I'm going to get some stake in that. That's pretty cool. So when you see the player grades, like after the game, it, it's a player grade out of 100, right? Mm-hmm. How does that, how do you get to that number? Is it taking all the individual plays like we talked about on the scores, like the minus two through plus two? Is it taking all those up? I imagine it's not adding them up because that wouldn't really make sense. But is it just taking like the aggregate of all of those and then finding a grade based off of that? Or how do they kind of get the player grade uh, versus like the individual plays? I'm actually not totally sure about that. Cause that's yeah. That's, I, I would so, I would imagine it's probably through like aggregate or because they probably have like a formula like per plays. Like mm-hmm. if they're on the field a lot, there's probably more forgiveness for mistakes. But if you're on the field like a lot less, and there might be more, you'll be more penalized if the only player out there gave up a touchdown. Gotcha. That's what I would imagine. Yep. So you're you're kind of you're not even at that. I mean, would you say that would be higher up? The yep. higher ups in the company are the ones saying, okay, this guy was a 96 this week or a 94. Yep. Gotcha. So, so it's kind of like there's definitely like a 
So like I'm just kind of at the starting point where I, I sort of like I identify where players are on the field and sort of just like to help the grading process so they know like on this play, Khalil Mack, for example, was playing at like an edge rushing position, but mm-hmm. at this time he was in coverage. It's it gotcha. kind of just it helps them do that. Help them sort through yep. the different plays. I gotcha. So you said this weekend uh, the Army college football game against that a team I've never heard of. <laughs> um, um, that'll be like here. your first live game, whatever you want to call it. Yep. And during ACU. that game, what, what is it? Uh, Al Aladine Christian Wildcats. Yeah, yeah. Go Wildcats. Now, um, <laughs> Abilene. Abilene. You'll be. Christian you said Wild. you'll be looking at the um, offensive side for Army. Yep. And then the op- defensive side for Army. Is that correct? Uh, defensive side for. ACU. Al- yeah, ACU. <laughs> <There you go. laughs> That's a good way to say it. Albaline. And what you'll be doing is the quarterback, or the let's say the ACU cornerback was five yards deep on play number 34 or something like that, and you just record that, and then do you submit that info, and then from there the people with different titles in that position will do whatever with the info. I guess my question is, what yeah. exactly are you going to be doing for the yeah. Saturday game? So for the Saturday game, I'll be looking – at the live game feed of what's kind of like happening on, and I'll have to know exactly on offense and defense for each play. So I only look at half of the game. So I don't look at the defensive series, for example, for army, or I don't look at the offensive series for ACU. Yep. Mm-hmm. So then I uh, basically for every, like it's as simple as like, sometimes you just pick the quarterback, which that's very consistent. But then when it comes to, receivers or halfbacks or fullbacks they're constantly going in motion and changing spots i think that's sort of the main thing of like how like pff grades is that they want not to just generalize people by one thing it's sort of like how they totally contribute yep especially i think defense actually explains it the best where someone that like plays at linebacker might play at pass rusher they might play at slot cornerback or Mm -hmm. so there's a lot of variation where they play and they have different responsibilities and then through that they can see how well they do at each thing. And I'm assuming, so you say you watch the live feed for the game. I'm assuming that means like you're actually watching the stream of the game, not the box score. Yep, the actual game. And as I said before, PFF does every single college football game. How how do you guys watch the games? Because they're not broadcasted, probably 90% of them. Um, I guess they, there must, there's some feeds that they get, I think, through uh, like, Probably like ESPN Plus or something yeah. where they're able to get like maybe some local feeds of because I know I did a practice game of Harvard versus Howard and it was through a, like a much smaller local yeah for feed. sure yeah so do you have access to that feed when you're not working uh, where you can literally just, just watch any game, game at any time I do have a Dropbox with all the games nice that's awesome that's cool. <laughs> that so cool that's sweet what what was the interview process like. To get this job, were they having you like break down film or like show your football knowledge or so, what was it like? So I think it kind of went hand in hand where football knowledge really like helped propel me through the process. But basically they sent me like, I want to say like a 50 to like 80 page PDF with just like all the guidelines of how to do this exact thing that I'm doing, the player mm-hmm. participations analyst. Yep. And uh, so like they kind of like you could ask questions and reach out and do a few practice games. So we did three in total, and then they slowly just, like, weeded people out based on how many errors they made throughout gotcha. the games. Mm. So, Do you know where you're ranked uh, among the, I don't the know. I don't know exactly where I'm ranked. But you did pretty good. You're good enough. Yeah, good enough. That's good enough. what matters. 
So what were some of the questions that were on that? Like, what were some of the answers that you had for it? I think he just means, like, he was watching games and he had to be like, oh, this so is like, cover two. So, like, or yeah. this is cover three. But, yeah, right? you had to, like, say the coverage or the scheme or just, like, the yardage of where they're lining up. Um, it's it's basically, like, based on yardage, I had to know, uh, like, what position they're in, which it can get really tricky, especially in, like, the trenches. Right. Like, telling whether or not they're – which gaps they're lined yeah. up in. Or, a two or a two-eye or – Exactly. Yeah, three technique. <laughs> it's um, – but then – Another thing that was honestly the trickiest part is, like, there's especially in college football, there's so many players rotating in and right. out. So yeah. keeping track of like who's who, and that's like the main thing is that they really want to make sure that you're getting everyone on there, and there's no errors on who's yeah. on the field. Well, and it's tough with college too because they change jersey numbers a lot, and there's so many guys on a lot of the college football teams that yep. they have over a hundred guys, so they got duplicate numbers. Duplicate numbers, and that yeah, that's screws with you. I know at St. Thomas, they uh, the head coach there, and it. You know, I don't think this happens in D1 because they have to have a roster set beforehand. But our coach would change everybody's number. So, like, the opposing team would just yep. have no idea. Not everybody, but, you know, a handful of yeah. different players would I've, just be wearing a random number yeah. one week just so, like, and that would just make it impossible on the broadcasters. They'd be announcing, like, the, yeah, like if you, bench guys. Yeah, bench, be on the like, field. yeah, exactly. It was and, like, I didn't see the field at all our freshman year. And, like, throughout that season, I had three different jersey numbers. Yeah. yeah. So I could imagine it's probably a little less at D1, but. With all those different factors to consider, I guess talking now for a college game, um, are you and you watch the feed? Are you able to to pause it, or do you all have to go with the live feed and try to keep up with it? So you are you are able to pause it. They're kind of like using a system to like basically like DVR the game, so mm-hmm. then you can like move back and forth through it. So. Gotcha. And it's kind of nice, like also because someone's doing the other side's defense and O, then I can like use that time to like catch up and make sure like I'm on pace and yeah. whatnot. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So there's like a, is there a pretty strict deadline? So like when the game ends, you have 20 minutes or 30 minutes to make sure everything's finalized and then you send it in. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, I guess it immediately it's a, after it's a, it's not immediately after, but I'd say like at max by like end of like end of the day, like max. Really? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Even if it's a night game. Um, I think there's a little more leeway. I think some of those night games, they usually like want it by like, in the morning, I want to say. <laughs> wow, it's a late night. Yeah, yeah. and so I'm, so you're working on the weekends pretty much every weekend. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I watch football anyway, so yeah. So what what are your what is your like your Tuesday through, I guess only Tuesday and Wednesday really the days they don't have college football. But this year, are they having is the is the MAC playing on Tuesday and Wednesday this year? I don't know if we have any MAC this Let's year. See. But do you have any like days off where you're just like you do nothing, like during the middle of the week? I'd imagine when there's less football. So. um they like, start in November 4th, Mac football. Gotcha. So right now, because there's less games, it's actually, because we have so many analysts, it's kind of hard to, like, get games right now. Mm. Because So, like, they have the right amount of, like, a, of people for, mm-hmm. like, like you said, they do all the college games, which is insane. Yeah. Like, so many games to cover, so many to look at. But because a lot of these conferences are starting up later, there's a little more, like, leeway. So I think during a typical week, people usually do maybe, like, 20 to 30 hours a week of so maybe like three to four games. Gotcha. So, so they, like I said, there's some games that are done um, a second time, not necessarily live just for like overall, like quality assurance or whatever. Yep. Um, and uh, so those ones take place during the week, but then live ones are just whenever the game. Gotcha. So that during the week, you're kind of looking through old tapes yep. and weekends, live games. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. So, yeah, that's, 
Pretty sweet. Go ahead, BG. Um, we talked about it a little bit. I'm going to go backtrack a little bit. But you talked about the interview process for it and getting hired by PFF. What did you go to college for? What was your degree? Uh, economics. Economics. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which doesn't have anything to do with what you're doing, right? Yeah. So I, I did like a lot of uh, econometrics and statistics. So gotcha. I'm kind of, so that's kind of maybe the closest thing to it. But pretty much what I'm doing now, I guess, is mostly just, yeah, watching watching football. That's awesome. <laughs> that's awesome. And how did that even like? I mean, yeah, they, I, there's some relation for sure with yeah. the statistics side. Yeah, but I, w- I was just assuming you're going to major in like data analytics yeah. or statistics or something like that. So how did you get in touch with PFF or how did you even like hear about them or get interested to applying and get that whole process started before your interview? So they, they actually, uh, I just like was went on their website and they said that they were hiring for this role. So I just sent out an application and then from there they just sent out like a mass chain email to a bunch of people and then just slowly everyone did all the games and went through it. So yeah. Do you think when the big 10 comes back, and the pack tank comes back because there's going to be more games to do, and I'm sure more analysts needed. Do you think they are hiring for that period? <laughs> Trying to get a job? <laughs> That'd be so fun. <laughs> yeah, no, I think they're... Let's, uh, go to, let's go to their website. I think they're they're constantly just hiring, uh, from what I can tell, because I know they did like a few waves of hiring over the summer, so when I, I happen just to not hear about it right away, but there is a group of people hired before me as well, so... Because sort of like usually how from what I understand it works is people do. So like the person I ended up interviewing with, he did like this job for one or two years. And then after that, he still does this and some other data collection procedures they do. And then also he like runs uh, some social media for some of the NFL PFF accounts. Hmm. Okay. So, So there's a lot of different ways you can kind of maneuver through it. Because I'm on the site right now, and there's no open positions, no <laughs> current openings. Hey, we'll have wait. to check back. Yeah, a couple of weeks. A lot of football. I've got a reference back. now. Yeah. At what point um, at your employment at, at PFF do you get to change your name to uh, PFF Dave? Is that, <laughs> is that the long-term goal? I remember you yeah. saying something so, about that. So, yeah, I guess they for them, they from what I understand, it's more uh, they want full-time employees to do that, not just mm. contractors. So. Gotcha. So hopefully uh, – Maybe in a year or two we can yeah. find a spot. PFF Dave. That's just kind of it. Kind of <laughs> rolls a, off the tongue. It does. There might be know? a PFF Dave already. That's all right. That's all right. You can. You, you're he'll the new. Mo- he'll move aside. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what would that process be like? Because I'm. Are you getting paid hourly right now? Is that how that works? So right now I get paid per play I complete, and nice. then per play per play. That's awesome. And then there's hopefully it goes over. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You gotta get like a lot of Oregon games, like yeah, <laughs> just some teams that run like 150 plays on offense. So. So yeah. you get paid per play. Per play, yeah. Wow. I would never have guessed that. And how how would you transition into working full time? Um, you just do a good job. So or? yeah, it's I think it's from what I understand, it's people that kind mm. of want to like do as many games as possible, mm. like willing to work because like football never stops. Like they play on Thanksgiving, they play on Christmas, yep. New Year's, etc. So it's just I think it's just people that do good work, have very accurate, don't make a lot of errors, and just kind of stick with it. Mm-hmm. So. And then also, like, through this, like, process, you can also, like, build up. And there's, like, multiple processes that lead towards grading that you can kind of learn. And that helps you, like, pick up more and take on more at the company. It's sort of just kind of 
like what you put in is what you get out of it. Mm-hmm. That's what I kind of got in. I mean, that's the kind of company you want. At least that's the kind of company I would want. You know, as much yep. as you put into it, that's what you're going to get out and just kind of work your way up the ladder. Yep. Yeah. That's awesome. PFF Dave coming soon, hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> um, I would love to see that. So when you watch games just for fun, can you watch them as a fan or does it kind of click over in your mind? Have you done it enough times that it kind of, you just kind of have, you can't flip the switch and you're like looking at all the coverages and everything, or can you still watch games as a fan? Um, I can still watch games as a fan. Like I, I still get ridiculously pissed off when I watch yeah. Vikings games. Yeah, like <laughs> good for obvious reasons. Yeah. So, but uh, mad at. it's uh, I don't know. It's I feel like it is interesting because I definitely probably it's kind of like sometimes I naturally like will watch it like more from like and you probably know this because you both played football like mm-hmm. from like more of like a film perspective where like your coach has probably said. Like, don't watch just like you watch, like, a Sunday game. Like, keep, pay attention to everything that's going on. Right. Um, but, uh, so I, I definitely, like, view it through both lenses. Gotcha. Yeah, I mean, I just remember, like, watching games from when I would write about the St. Thomas games. You know, it was, it was fun to watch them as a fan, but when you're trying to write about the game, you're just kind of, like, stressed because you don't want to, like, miss a big play and then, like, not write about that person's big play or whatever if they had one. So I remember just being kind of, like, stressed out a little bit about it, but... Yeah, definitely didn't do it enough where it would ruin any sort of game. So that's good to hear. Um, have you been watching uh, baseball at all, the postseason? Did you watch any Minnesota Twins? I watched both disappointing games. Yeah, <laughs> unfortunately, you watched them. Yeah. What are you, you, did you play baseball in high school? I played just my senior year for fun. Okay. Yeah. What are your thoughts about the atrocity that happened today and yesterday? So, honestly, it didn't happen how I thought it would have went down where – I honestly, I thought overall, like, our pitching did pretty well. Like, I would have thought if they only scored three runs today, we would have won. Just yeah. the bats were just not going no. at all. Yeah. Crazy. I mean, just the whiffs. Like, yeah. we got to get a PFF or a PFB or a P, PBF. A, a pre, yeah, PBF. There we go. Uh, on how many whiffs we had today. On pitches, like, right down the middle. Sano had at least two or three. Cruz had a couple. Um, before Rosario got thrown out of the game, he had two. Yep. And then, you know, like, it, it was just ridiculous. I mean, that, that was completely ridiculous. Um, we'll talk about it after BG yeah, and I will. Yeah, we got, BG's got a lot to say. But, yeah, so you are a Minnesota sports fan, huh? Are you everything through except for Minnesota Gophers? Is that where yeah. you kind of draw the line because you were a Wisconsin guy? Yeah, I'd say pretty much, yeah. I'm definitely all like across the board a Minnesota sports yeah. fan. So I'll ask you this. We're, we'll talk about this later, too. But did you see um, Rashad Bateman allowed back to the Gopher football program is going to be able to play? Um, this Big Ten season, your reaction as a Badger fan? I mean, he's got to be one of the like top three receivers in the country, so he's definitely a problem, and especially with the abbreviated Big Ten schedule. Like, if you want a shot at making the playoffs, you probably can't have any losses on your record. So. Right. But uh, I'm honestly, I'm, I'm happy for him. I think that's the right thing. I think mm-hmm. the NCAA did it the right way because. There's so much uncertainty going in that I don't blame him for pursuing his future. For sure, right? So I think yeah. I'm ha- I'm a, I'm happy that they did it the yeah. right way. I mean, sure. I would I think it's easy to say this because it's a go you know, it's a gopher coming back to my favorite team, but like and even if it was guest yeah, and former show. guest on the show, third episode. Um, but even if it was like a badger, you just you want to beat the other teams when they're at their best. You don't want their yep. best player to not be allowed to come back because of some stupid NCAA thing. And I could totally see the NCAA doing that. I mean, they make a lot of dumb decisions. Yeah. Um, but it, I think it was a good move not to. And just good for business, too. You want to get one of the best players back on your field making money for the NCAA? I mean, yeah, they definitely do. So good move for um, 
for the NCAA and for the Gophers. Well, we're on the topic, we, I guess, of baseball. We were just on the topic. Do you know if there isn't, but do you know if there's any plans to make like the PFF for PB- basketball PBF. or baseball? So like a PBF. Um, I, I'm not positive, but I don't think so. I think it's mostly just football focused. Yeah, completely. and that's what yeah, that's what it looks like right now. But I just look at it and think like analytics with like sports gambling becoming big. Like oh, people yeah. are looking to that for sports gambling. Like they're looking at PFF and other places that just look at numbers and crunch numbers. And that's what uh, bookies do in sports gambling places. And it just makes sense that it would eventually expand. I don't know if it would be through PFF with basketball focus or whatever, but to do the same thing in the NBA and college basketball and maybe even the MLB, mm-hmm. I just think there'd be a big draw in market there. Oh, definitely. I think it just in general, like it's kind of, I think like it's taken a little time to catch on. I think baseball is the first, but I think fans are just now very interested in analytics where mm-hmm. I think they want to like get as much information and know as much as possible. And I think social media helps goes hand in hand because it's like instant engagement and it's, I don't know. Yeah, yeah you I, just have so much access to numbers. Yep. Where in the past, I don't know, let's say like five to ten years, it was so limited compared to now, where you can analyze the Army's quarterback halfway through the game and what rating he's at through analytics and just quantity, like mm-hmm. uh, quantitative numbers, which I think is kind of the way of the future with yeah. like a certain niche market. Yeah, and I think it's cool. It's One thing I think is cool about PFF, too, is that the numbers are so simple. Like you said, it's just a, it's a composite score, like zero to a hundred. So like a fan can look at the number and kind of get a good idea of how, like, right. Of what the number means, where if they're looking at like passer rating or QB, yeah. unless they, it can be like a little harder to gauge. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking at, yeah, it's easy for me to understand. I'm looking at the PFF ratings and I see the Vikings offensive line is always low every single week. It's like, mm-hmm. okay, this is no surprise. Yeah. Teresa Mia's bottom in the league. Is he? All right, guys. Bottom. So, do you have? I, <laughs> I imagine you have access then. Do you can see everybody's rankings. You have the full um, elite membership, basically. Uh, you can see everything. Yeah, that's pretty sweet. So, do you want to give us some uh, inside, <laughs> inside, in, insider information here into the Vikings or uh, other NFL teams? You got any like sleeper, uh, sleeper players or picks? Um. Uh. Not the moment. Not at the moment. I saw that. It's definitely not sleeper. It'd be a. Shitter player, I guess, yeah. if that's a quantity. <laughs> Week one, Holton Hill, cornerback of the Vikings, was ranked 73 out of 73 cornerbacks yeah. in the NFL, according to your company, PFF. And that's yeah. just is so depressing to see. Yeah. I a mean, starting quarterback, like 73 cornerbacks. Obviously, there's some of those who aren't even starting cornerbacks. Right. And our starter is dead last in the NFL. Yeah. It's that's, crazy. That's <laughs> yeah, just the Vikings uh, – it's just kind of we've regressed so much at corners somehow. It's just crazy, especially after last year where that was kind of a weak spot too. And then the O line is just not improved either. No, oh. so which are horrible combinations with bad offensive line, and that's going to lead to bad cornerbacks with more quarterback time, obviously. Yep. And something I did see this week um, on PFF's website was the top ten cornerbacks and they're like overall ratings mm-hmm. through week four, so the first three weeks, and Xavier Rhodes is actually number one. Yeah, which that's just amazing. Is he salt was the AFC the Defensive Player of the Week last yeah. week. Yeah, he had two interceptions, and Rhodes are closed again. I yeah. hope not. Rhodes are closed. Uh, of, co- of course, when yeah. a player leaves the Vikings, yeah. they're automatically going to be good. 
I mean, he's kind of slow. I don't. I think it's probably just a fluke. Yeah, but it's a good start. It's a good he's start. Having a good start. It's a good start. He, he finished the season last year pretty good though too. Yep. Just the past couple. Yeah. Not prime. Um, who would you say? It doesn't have to be because of the PPF ratings and what you have access. PFF uh, ratings and what you have access to. Who do you think is the mo- or it could just be your own opinion? Who do you think is the most underrated player in the NFL? Maybe they don't get enough credit or their ratings aren't as high as they should be, but who's the most underrated? Underrated in the NFL. Um, I'll give you a second to think about this. Keep going. But we're also asking these really tough questions, and he's been there for like a couple months. So, yeah. I mean, and these I, are like questions. I'm trying to think who yeah, I think is the yeah. most underrated. Right. Yeah. I mean, I definitely have some people I think are super underrated. Um, uh, I guess like in, I don't know about I don't know about most underrated. I sure. guess I'm not totally sure. I think I guess I could say like I uh, um like I think like for example like Anthony Harris is super underrated on the mm-hmm. Vikings. Like he definitely does not get his credit for the the quality of play that he has. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, but, I agree uh, with that. So, I mean, we just stopped calling him number forty-one right. until last I mean, yeah, year, like <laughs> when he made the Pro Bowl. <laughs> yeah, when he first came on the Vikings, like four or five years ago, he made a couple plays, and we we're like, "Man, who's that forty-one guy?" Because we couldn't see his name because his hair, it, you know, his dreads were his over last his last name, and we didn't know who he was, and he just kept making plays. And then, of course, we figured out his name, but we just kept calling him forty-one because it was just kind of stuck. I don't know. Yeah. And yeah, now we we did finally figure out his name. It's Anthony Harris. Yep, and he absolutely deserves it. Yeah, actually, I mean, one player I thought of, but he's start, kind of starting to get popularity now is Darren Waller. Yeah, he he was on what Hard Knocks two years ago. I remember yeah. watching him. Yeah, that guy's good. He's pretty quick too, and I haven't watched him play this year. But I mean, just as a rookie, he was super athletic, good moves down the field, and you know, it's fast. He gets so many targets each yeah. game. It's, so many catches. And it's crazy because he lines up all over the place. Yeah, just it's yeah, he's awesome. Impressive. Uh, do we want to move into the quick hitters here, BG? Let's see. Yes, I'll ask you one question before we go to quick hitters, which mm-hmm. would just be nice and fun questions and easy answers. Um, I think you can answer this. Are you a betting man? Sometimes, yes. Does PFF ratings give you an advantage to betting? Like all the information. Um, you have access to, would you say that gives you a leg up on the competition or just a good idea um, for odds in general? Um, so I don't think there's like a specific number you could look at through there to um, like give you an answer what to do on a bet. But yep. I think if you had like a certain hunch, we wanted to like think of like how is like, for example, uh, um like how is this receiver going to do against this corner this week based on like the overall composite grades and that can maybe swing your voter. So I think you can use it to like sort of reconfirm thoughts or build upon your betting ideas. And a quick question I have from that is to people at PFF, do they follow teams? So like you're doing army this weekend, will you keep doing army down the road or does it depend? So I, as far as I know, like for the grading processes or just the collection processes, uh, it, there's no specific following, but I know that certain people do follow teams and like run like, cause there's like a PFF Vikings account. So someone mm-hmm. will follow the Vikings and they run that account. Cause I could just see, say if you're the PFF Vikings guy and you're a betting guy and you like player props, betting on whatever the players do individually. 
and you're looking at Thielen and Jefferson week in and week out, and you're seeing what coverage they go up against and say, okay, we played the Texans. Texans ran a lot of cover two against the Vikings, um, and Justin Jefferson had 108 yards. Now three weeks later they're playing the Bears. They also play a lot of coverage too, so I'm definitely hitting the over on Justin Jefferson receiving yards. I could see how there would definitely be some advantage to it, which I guess just returns to you're more educated than the average fan because you watch so much more. Mm -hmm. Um, But I was wondering if you could see any link, which is hard because you're doing your first live game this weekend. So I think there is a link where I think it definitely gives you an edge. Like I I definitely believe in the product, but uh, I think when it like comes down to it, it's hard to, like they set the lines pretty good, and it's hard to right. get an extreme edge over the house. Like it's crazy. It's insane right. how yeah. accurate the lines are. Pisses well, I mean, me yeah, off. Vegas is <laughs> Vegas is really good for a reason. I mean, they're they have yeah. people probably doing. I mean, not quite. I mean, maybe to that quality, they have more qualitative stuff or more quantitative than the qualitative stuff. But I mean, that's their computer softwares and stuff. Yeah, are, and just a side, really, note, really good. I was reading up on it the other week. For anybody who's interested, in that's listening. Is that Vegas sets like a pretty accurate, like a very mm-hmm. accurate line. Yep. But then after the line is set, what, how the line moves is it like according to fans or I guess like pro betters. And that is what makes it like super accurate. Mm. Like if it's a four point Viking spread and at the line it's minus five and a half for them to win, it's because of professional betters and just people betting the public that gets it to that line. Mm. So it's close when they put it out, but super accurate by uh, the public. Gotcha. Just a side note. Let's move into the quick hitters. Um, BG, you got the first one here. <laughs> I've got the first one. Uh, it's definitely not like a question that we've asked you so far. Nothing to do with sports, really. I uh, ask it to uh, pretty much everybody who comes here in person. Could you beat me in a fight? And I want you to give your like PFF analysis, if you if you would. Um, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thought- well, why do you say so? I want um, to see those statistics. Well, I'm personally just not much of a, a fighter. You're a lover, not a fighter, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I think if maybe if we were battling to the death, I could make it close. But okay. I think maybe a bar brawl, I might kind of just <laughs> might, might not be willing to take it to that level. I don't know how far you'll go. <laughs> I don't know either, but yeah, he's, fair enough. He's kind of crazy. You got to keep an eye on him. <laughs> uh, what is your favorite type of milk if you're a milk guy? Are you Melka? Uh, strawberry. Strawberry milk. That's, That's the, the first, first answer we've got. <laughs> wow, I like it. I haven't had strawberry milk since I was like five. Maybe, maybe a little later than that. But but yeah, you take strawberry over chocolate. Yeah, definitely. Strawberry Why so? I just think it's far superior. Do you drink a lot of strawberry milk? I don't anymore. But uh, I think like I personally don't really drink milk much anymore. Yeah. But uh, I don't either. But if I had to, if you had strawberry, to choose. like yeah. if I had to. Go drink milk right now. I do strawberry. I think the last time I've had strawberry milk was in elementary school, and they give you like those little milk cartons. Oh, yeah. you remember, you can open up. You can always pick your one. I think strawberry was that was yeah, the last time I had strawberry milk. Yeah, no, I like that answer. It's the first one we've yeah, got. Yeah, really good. Um, who's your favorite NFL player? Uh, Daniel Hunter. I love it. Is he coming back this week? I hope so. uh, not. Well, I think he's he, not. He, yeah, yeah, we talked not. about yeah, it. Yeah. Bit. It doesn't sound. It like doesn't it. sound like it. I, I know he's. I know he's. He's eligible, I believe, yep. this okay. week. Yeah, yep. right. So, but. I was going to see if you had any PFF insider info for us, but maybe I'd we could to. take that off air. Yeah, we'll cut that. We'll <laughs> cut that out. <laughs> what about uh, non-Viking favorite NFL player? Non-Viking, um, I 
Right now, I really like watching Lamar Jackson. Just this series has been yeah. super fun to How watch. How can you not? But uh, I really like him. Uh, I also... Uh, Aaron Donald's awesome to watch. For yeah. me, I guess, like, other teams, like... I do like Tyreek Hill. I'd say Tyreek Hill's yeah. up there. Just, I, I kind of like watching just sort of, like, players, like, when you watch the game, maybe you don't know, like, all the players like you do on the Vikings, like, very well. But it's just, like, I like watching the players that just, you know, like, one or two plays are going to explode off the screen. Yep. So. Yeah, it's fun to watch those, like, game-changing uh, type players. Who is going to have the worst record in the NFL this year, in your opinion? It kind of seems like it's going to be the Jets right now. Yeah, the Jets are <laughs> terrible. They got to be the the favorite right now. Yeah, yep. yeah. I, I think it's between you. them and the Giants. Yeah, with Saquon gone now, I would agree. On the flip side, who's going to win the Super Bowl this year? And are you willing to give us your PFF guarantee live? Live. Um. After this last Monday night game, it seems like just Kansas City is the team to right. be. They just yeah. can't. It seems like when they need to, they can. Because I kind of think in the Chargers game, maybe they played down to their competition a little bit. Yep, where, and facing a different quarterback they weren't expecting. Yep, where uh, they were just kind of totally out of rhythm that day Where against this Ravens team that has an awesome defense. No one expected them to play like that. Yeah, right. and it was in Baltimore, not with fans, but, I mean, it's still in Baltimore Yep, in a bad condition for them. So uh, is it fair to say that you gave us your PFF guarantee? I'd say I'd give it like a stamp of, I'd give it like a mild stamp. Stamp mild of stamp. approval. Okay. Yeah, mild so stamp when we approval. talk to people that we talk to a PFF expert, yeah, a PFF and that expert. they said, no doubt, the yeah. Chiefs are winning 100%. He said you can bet I'm the house I'm so on confident. Yep. I love I'll it. repay you if you lose your bets. We yeah. can say the Chiefs. Yeah, I love it. I hate this. Also, I hate <laughs> to say it, but I think one of my sleeper picks would probably be the Packers, honestly. Yeah. I the hate Packers to do that too, so but good. they are very yeah, good. They're I, so good. I saw a metric today that their points per drive is like the highest ever in the last 20 years. Like it's, it's higher than like that 20, that 20, uh, 14 Broncos team and higher than that 2010 wow. Pats team. Wow. Yeah. Ridiculous. And they go into new Orleans last weekend and put up 37 on them without Devonte Adams. Yeah. Like it's nuts. Yeah. Aaron Rodgers is playing out of his mind, like yeah. out of his mind. Unbelievable. Um, moving down the list here, who is your favorite rapper or, uh, you could say musician too. Um, maybe, uh, uh, I like the ghetto boys, the ghetto boys, the ghetto boys. I've never, I haven't heard I've of never the ghetto heard boys. They're like a Houston, like a Houston rappers. Uh, mm, okay. You've definitely heard like some of their like tracks from movies. Okay. What's their biggest song? Most popular. Um, mind playing tricks on me. Yeah, that one's what came up right away. Um, that one's popular. I'm trying trying to think of the name. Damn, it feels good to be a gangster. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And for those trying to look up Ghetto Boys, it's spelled G E T O. Yeah. Yes. Ghetto Boys. (laughs) I love it. Um, moving down the list here, I think it's yours, BG, right? Yeah. Uh, we talked about it before. We were trying. We were talking about if Mike Florio is from PFF. He's not. No, PFT. Yeah, PFT. Pro Football Talk. Yep. Yep. Is there like a big name who works at PFF? Like on Twitter or social media, like who's the biggest name? Um, so I know, uh, like Sam Monson has a very big following. Yep. Um, it's a uh, um, Mike Renner, I, I believe. Mike Renner, I feel like I've heard that. 
I'm just trying to think of who has. I've definitely heard of Munson or seen him on Twitter. Yeah, I'm Munson, not even following. Munson's all over. Yeah. So uh, it's like a lot of the guys that I know like run. They have like a PFF Live. They have all these podcasts. It's all the, a lot of them have big followings. Uh, obviously, Collinsworth is the biggest. Yeah. Uh, biggest ambassador for sure. Who do you think we should interview next? Do you have any PFF? colleagues that you want us to interview do you have any uh we we have interviewed one of your buddies actually uh, ramad uh from northwestern receiver out there um but do you have anybody else that comes to mind we ask everybody this who who they think we should interview next um i think if you guys wanted to talk not football but basketball i think yeah my friend everett naylor would be very interesting mm. he's like watches the game more than anyone I know, so I think really? it'd be really interesting. And that's one of the guys you're moving in with, yep. right? Okay. Yeah. yeah what we'll does he to do? We'll have to talk to him. Uh, he doesn't work in sports though, so that's the only catch. That's all right. Yeah. It's all right. Um, we'll just make up a title for him. <laughs> <laughs> NBA guru. He's I, he's working for Pro Basketball Focus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's he's launching. He's that. the head of Pro Basketball Focus. I gotta I gotta bring this to attention. I looked up the Mike Renner name, and the first thing that comes up about Mike Renner, well, the first image that comes up, and then it was a enticing image so i clicked on it pro football focus senior analyst mike renner is now a bachelorette contestant yeah really? Did you know that yeah he, wow. so he's gonna be on the bachelorette yeah <laughs> nice and he's he's 27 sports analyst mike he's got hair down to his shoulders oh, i thought it was a chick at first <laughs> he looks like a chick he's a good looking know, guy yeah he's a good like and guy. he's gonna be on the bachelorette kind of at a uh, weird angle on season 14 season 14 wow so, pff <laughs> making it their turn. Mike or Renner. Their okay, return, I'll have to look out for him. Then. Their start, I guess, at the bachelor. I wonder if you guys are going to do analytics on that, like what his moves were, <laughs> you know, plus two, yeah, minus we, two. We might have to keep that in mind. Yeah, <laughs> how he plays certain situations. Give him a grade every episode. Yeah. <laughs> Eye contact, minus 0.5. So that's all we got for questions, unless you got anything else here, BG. Um, anything that's, you that's want us, anything you want to promote? Davis, any burner accounts? Twitter accounts, PFF Dave. You haven't got that handle yet, but you're still working on it. You got crazy say, like, conspiracy theories? Uh, no crazy conspiracy theories. Okay. okay. Yeah, I guess I'd say nothing to promote, really, but yeah. Can we find you on Twitter? Yeah, are you somewhere? on Twitter? You're kind of a ghost online. He, I was, was looking up, up I was looking least. up you, hopefully, like a PFF account or at least a picture of you on Google. Nothing to be found. Um, I have a, a Twitter. It's D-A-V-I-R-R-R. <laughs> zero eight <laughs> i think we have to work yes. on that we're yes. gonna have to work on that yes. pff dave we yeah, gotta we well, gotta get the rights to that yep d-a-v-i-r-r-r-0-8 zero eight. Zero eight, and then three underscores and do you tweet any three underscores stuff? after it oh. yeah <laughs> was devere zero eight already taken <laughs> yes <laughs> believe it or not <laughs> wow uh do you tweet out like football insider information or do you not you don't use twitter like that i don't use twitter really right now to tweet or anything i mostly just use it for uh just like information gotcha i, I think twitter is actually like one of the best ways just to quickly like obviously you gotta filter through everything yep. but verified users helps but it's nice like especially like with all the like local vikings reporters and right. stuff you can pick up information really quick on yep. everything yep that's what i used to Davis, thank you so much for coming on. It's great to have you. A lot of good insight, and uh, we'll we'll see how your picks do here with your your PFF guarantee the rest of the year. <laughs> we'll hold you to it. Yeah, thanks for having me on. BG, really just a tough a tough night, a tough day to be a Minnesota sports fan. R really got nothing going for us now after the Twins 
lose their 18th consecutive postseason game to the Houston Astros 3-1 to to get swept out of the playoffs for the second year in a row as the AL champs. And they just didn't even play close to their best baseball. I mean, it's one thing if you lose to a team that's just really good and they're better than you and they played really good. It's another thing when you just play really bad and you kind of lose to yourself. You know, you have the air last night that cost us, or yesterday afternoon that cost us the game. Bad base running today that kind of cost us the game. And just a few plays. I mean, just a few plays away. Um, I mean, I shouldn't say a few plays away, but just those few four to five plays made all the difference in the world. I mean, it went from being a series where we really were never in control. I mean, even when we were up one nothing yesterday, uh, it didn't feel like there was a solid control of that game. And part of that is just leaving so many base runners on. And they didn't leave that many on, but when they did get base runners, they left them on pretty much every time. I mean, they scored two runs in two games. I mean, you can't do that uh, in the postseason and expect to win. Uh, yes, we had a dominant pitching uh, roster and lineup, but still, you have to score more than two runs in two games, especially – uh, with the bats you have on this team. It's it just a pathetic performance in the postseason by the Minnesota Twins. You know, it's just so, so, so frustrating for so many different reasons. Uh, maybe maybe some of that is because being a Minnesota sports fan right now also includes watching the Minnesota Vikings mm-hmm. and seeing what's going on over there. But I was watching both of the games at work, and I was just sitting in my desk so frustrated because – it's just beyond Minnesota Twins, just being a Minnesota sports fan and seeing the team that you're cheering for come to the playoffs, and then you think, okay, this is the year. Like Because of our pitching, this is the year that we're going to get at least past the first round or, dear God, I hope, win one game mm-hmm. in the playoffs. But just being a Minnesota team and a Minnesota sports fan, we, we have to know that none of that is going to happen when it's looking good for the Twins and you win 102 games last year and have one of the best uh, seasons for an MLB team in history, creating that new MLB home run record, and getting swept, losing three games to the New York Yankees. It's just it's so depressing and tiring and frustrating to see as a fan. And I guess I didn't learn my lesson this year because I was hopeful each game. Mm-hmm. And we have really good pitching, which we're not used to as the Minnesota Twins fan as, and, and as a team. Uh, Maeda and Berrios, Monday night, or Monday and Tuesday, come out and pitch really well. And we we can't even get more than three hits a game um, from the team that went off the charts last year. Mm-hmm. It's just so many different places that went wrong, and it's frustrating for so many different reasons. Like the error that you pointed out with Polanco and that arise, yeah. not a good throw and a rise, not a good catch. It, that would have brought us to the ninth inning uh, with a 1-1 tie. And then yep. from there we go down 2-1. to one. Yeah. And then from there, four to one. That and that game is over. And then the game last uh, evening or during the day, we are up. We we're tied one to one. And then we go down two to one. And then there's no hope at all. The Twins are not a clutch team. Yeah. We've shown that to Minnesota the past 16 years since 2004. Now losing 18 playoff games in a row, which is incredible. It's too bad that it's incredible against us, but. It's not only a major league record for baseball, but it's also the longest in U.S. sports history um, for any playoff mm-hmm. loss. I think it's even North American, I saw. Yeah, with North, North American, American sports history. The NHL Chicago Blackhawks lost 16 straight playoff games from a span of 1975 to 1979, 
and 16 playoff games is only is pretty bad. But that was only four years they had to yeah. endure that, where it's been 16 years for us. I mean, that means they're getting to the playoffs. Every yeah, they're getting year. to the playoffs every year. They have yeah. a good uh, team uh, for those four seasons. But after that, they recover. Yeah. But since 2004 to 2020, we've lost 18 games in a row, which is it's incredible. Like, you have yeah. to be trying to do that. That's insane that 18 times we have been to the playoffs and we have lost every single game. It's Boston Red Sox had the previous record. They lost 13 playoff games in a mm-hmm. row um, before they went to the World Series. Right. And we're not even anywhere close to the World Series. We're yeah. always just one wild card game in. Or if we have a good year like we did this year and last year, we just get swept, which is by right. far worse. And, yeah, uh, it's just so frustrating and annoying to have this happen to a good sports team. And then especially against the Astros, the cheaters who come in here and they don't have any fans booing them. No garbage cans. They have a World Series ring on their finger, and it's absolutely BS. And then they just come into Target Field, a stadium where the Twins are the best in the MLB with the home record. Yep. And we play possibly one of the worst MLB teams in MLB history to make the playoffs with yep. a record of 29-31. and 31. And they, are, they may be the worst, or they're one of the worst teams this season in away stadiums. Yep. And they come in here and beat us two games to zero. It's just pathetic yep. and embarrassing. I mean, and it wasn't really even close at the end. I, I'll be at the games were close all the way throughout, but seven, eight, nine. I mean, it, it didn't really feel like the Twins ever even had a chance. I mean, even after that solo shot, I think, was it in the eighth inning, the seventh inning today, that uh, after it came off of uh, Stashka, whatever his name is, um, it didn't feel like we had a chance to ever come back. And then we do get a runner on. They throw Buxton in, and then what happens? Buxton gets picked off. Uh, with Sano at the plate. I mean, if you ever had a chance, it was right there, and, and Buxton just got picked off to end the ending. Uh, to end the inning. I mean, crucial errors like that just totally shot ourselves in the foot, and that's what makes you so frustrated to watch this team not even play close to their best baseball. Uh, with a, a lineup and a roster that's very much a World Series caliber team. I mean, this is a team that has plenty of talent up and down the lineup. They got all the offense you could possibly want. They have very good defensive play, and they have really good pitching. Starting pitching out of the bullpen, um, very solid. I mean, this is you, there's nowhere on this team where you look and say there's a huge hole because we just didn't have it this year. Um, and, and that's why it's so frustrating because you get you know maybe one, two, three of these Minnesota Twins teams every 10, 15, 20 years. Uh, and you know the last two, they've gone 0-5. You know, they've been swept out of both uh of the post i mean i think it's been eight series in a row now we've been swept uh with this 18 game losing streak in the playoffs i mean it's getting to be ridiculous and these are the tough days to be a minnesota sports fan i mean there's been some highlights for sure but there's been way more lowlights and uh this goes into another category of the lowlights and some of my friends were talking about it earlier today and they were saying without the twins two world uh series wins Mm -hmm. and the titles that we have like Minnesota has got to be up there with the worst sports cities in America and Mm -hmm. I guess North America. It's just we're definitely better than those cities who also take that claim for being the worst uh, sports cities like Cleveland and whatever else. Because we we make the playoffs, I guess, a good amount when you're talking about football and baseball, definitely not NBA. And we have good teams. And hockey. Yeah, we have good teams. But just when it comes to – Playoff time, we were absolute yeah. choke artists. And yeah. that's just so much more crushing to have that optimism, to have that hope that this is 
a different year for us. This yeah. is going to take a different route um, in the playoff time. And it, it, we, <laughs> we just don't learn each year. It's the same result. It's the same end result that happens. And you talked about Buxton earlier. Um, he gets on in the ninth inning as a, a base runner. Yep. And he gets thrown yep. out. And yep. I don't know too much about baseball, I'll admit that. But I don't know why Byron Buxton wasn't playing in this game where he's been one of the bright spots for this Twins team. And this season he actually um, kind of s- stepped into the role of being one of the best hitters mm-hmm. on the team, which we've been waiting for Buxton to have. And then – he gets picked off, which is completely his fault. But I don't know why you don't have them in there. When yeah, well, they said it was some concussion issues. They didn't. I mean, Baldelli didn't really talk about it a lot. He didn't want to answer the question of exactly yeah. why wasn't he in the game. But uh, concussion related, I and mean, he came out with sunglasses on. But I don't get why you have him come out and pinch run, but then not steal the base. You know, for I, sure. I, when it's two one, you know, three two. A guy they had two three two pitches where he didn't steal either time. And then the, the third 3-2 pitch, he gets picked off because he's got a huge lead and he's not paying attention and he gets picked off. I mean, and that, one of the many moments of the game where I was just like, okay, now we're done. And you can almost just feel after that. Uh, the Twins are still within one run. They still have a chance with Sano coming back the next inning. Maybe, I guess, you know, one swing of the bat, Sano could tie this game up. But what do the Twins do in the top of the ninth? Well, they give up two more runs. Uh, and now, or one more run, rather, and you're down two and that's no longer just one swing of the bat for Sano to tie this game up. And I mean, you can just feel that coming. And one of those moments, like you say, is the top of, or the bottom of the ninth inning when Sano is up first to bat. And, of course, it, I'm thinking a strikeout, but give him the benefit of the doubt. Like, it's either a home run or a strikeout. So maybe he generates some offense, and he strikes out looking. You cannot do that when you're down, and certainly not when you're down in the bottom of the ninth inning in the elimination game in the playoffs. But... I know back to Bucks, and I know con- concussions are serious mm-hmm. and concussion protocol. Like, it should be taken seriously because it's serious issues that more athletes are um, coming down with when we have more knowledge of it. But I got to feel that if you can come in and run bases, you can at least bat. You don't have to be in the outfield clanking against walls. And I just don't understand that. As well as Josh Donaldson not playing, I looked it up. He was on the team's taxi squad for the series which means that he could travel with the club, um, be a part of the workouts, and serves as as an injury replacement, so he could play if somebody got injured. And he is a former former league MVP um, and a guy who has playoff experience and veteran experience that we could have used on this league in fire um, beneath him that we could have for sure used when we're down and we're not hitting well. And to come to find out that Donaldson sat out the final two games of the regular season after experience cramping, in his right calf muscle. So the twins sat him out after he cramped in his calf. Maybe they didn't want to disclose the injury. I don't know why, because it's playoff time and we should play the guys we need. But according to ESPN, that's why we sat him out because he had cramping. Wow. And I just can't, (laughs) I can't get behind that. And one last thing I'll say, another stat I have is the twins have of the 18 losses that we have consecutively lost in the playoffs. We have led in 11 of those 18 games which just shows that we are absolutely not clutch. We're scared of the limelight and pathetic when it comes to playoff time. And so we've led in 11 of those 18 losses, but something that I can't even comprehend is that we have been outscored 107 to 48 overall. We've been more than doubled in those 18 games and more than half of those we've led. And we have been outscored 107 to 48, including... 44 to 14 from the seventh inning on more wow. than Jeez. been triple triple outscored. It's just yeah. 
classic I mean, Minnesota sports playoff yeah. time. It's too big of a spotlight. Yeah, I don't know what it is. That sums it up. I mean, there's just no poise. You, you you haven't seen it the last two years out of this Twins team, who dominated the regular season and should have all the confidence in the world, but they come into these games with no poise, no confidence. They don't look anything like the team they've been all season long. And Nelson Cruz, really the only bright spot from the whole series. I mean, you could say that the, the kid that came in today, um, Alex Kurilov, is that how you say it? No, I Something idea. like that. But yeah. I mean, he had some good at-bats and got that single. and Good catch he, in the outfield. Yeah, great catch in the outfield. And, and even that first at-bat with the bases loaded, I mean, he didn't strike out. He had a good knock out to center field. They caught it, but, I mean, it was a good solid hit. And, you mean, that's a good spot for him to be in, to get some good experience. And this kid's going to be a stud uh, next year for this team. And they're going to be loaded again next year. Uh, but they do have some free agents to take care of, and there is some big decisions coming up. I mean, I would say that this team is going to be all in, I mean, going for a pennant run again next year, and you got Cruz up uh, to be re-signed. Trevor May, I think Marwin Gonzalez, even I think Odorizzi and Romo. Um, or no, Romo has like an option, a $5 million option. So they got to make a decision. They want to bring back Romo. I think Rich Hill is going to be a free agent this year. So, I mean, some some big names there. Um that you have to re-sign to this team if you're going to make another run at it. And, I mean, Cruz is getting older. These guys don't have that many years left. I mean, you're not going to have this core group of players together, this dominant roster for very long. Your window is closing, and it's closing fast. Uh, and that's why it's so just painful to see this loss and to think that we don't have a Vikings football team we can fall back on and now watch all season long because they're likely tanking. Uh, and... and Fortunately, we do have Gopher football coming back, and we'll get into it in a minute. But the big news is Rashad Bateman is back. I mean, so that's really the only thing getting us through right now as Minnesota sports fans. Um, you know, just thinking about how it's been another Minnesota-type postseason. I remember P.J. Flex saying after that Penn State game last year, he said, we're not going back. Uh, I know everybody here in the stadium and everybody at home thought when Penn State was driving on that last touchdown – or on that last drive, they were going to score a touchdown and win the game. What happens? We picked the ball off. Um, Howden, I think it was, with that final interception to seal the game for the Gophers. And P.J. says, we're not going back. Uh, the Twins, they have gone back uh, to the old ways for sure. It has not been a cultural change after that Penn State game. But you hope it does for the Gopher football. Uh, and that's, that's what we're going to end with today, B.G., uh, try to get a little bright spot in our day. So your reaction to the Rashad Bateman news, former guest on the show, best receiver in college football, in my opinion, maybe even, no, not the best player in the Big Ten, Justin Fields for sure, but one of the best uh, skill position players in the Big Ten, got the waiver, he's cleared the play. Rashad Bateman, welcome back to the Gopher football team. I was really happy uh, to hear that. He was allowed to opt back in for the Gophers football season at the, and that the NCAA gave him clearance. It was especially just uplifting news on this pretty sad day for Minnesota sports with mm-hmm. the Twins getting put out. Um, and like you said, like football, now we have some, we, already, we already did have something to look forward to. But just another little add-on uh, to look forward to with Gophers football, we're coming back with Tanner Morgan, uh, the best quarterback we've seen for the Gophers in a yep. long time. Yep. We're coming back with... Rashad Bateman, probably uh, the best gopher football we've seen in our lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, maybe him or Winfield, but we yeah. were talking about him being the 15th overall pick or something like that. Yeah. I think it would be Bateman. Um, 
I wasn't surprised that the NCAA approved him, but I'm glad they did. It would have been a weird stance to not let him back in, but I'm just excited for a season to begin in a little bit less than a month now, October 24th, um, in the little bit of short season that they have, and just hopefully see uh, a Gophers football team that starts off strong um, and doesn't start <laughs> st- doesn't start off 0-3 so that we can look forward to each weekend and not look about, okay, next season now. Like We're already kind of looking for next season for the Minnesota Vikings. Yep. Now we're looking for the next season uh, for the Minnesota Twins. But come October 24th, when the Big Ten football season starts, when the Gophers start playing football, it's going to be, okay, what are we going to do this season? Yep. We have the talent. And I think the biggest thing, which we don't have, which we, I don't know, I think the biggest thing is that we have P.J. Fleck, yep. a guy who is an exceptional coach. You could make the same argument about Zimmer, but like P.J. Fleck is in his prime right now yeah. for coaching. He is unbelievable with culture, with being a leader, with recruiting, and just with being a head coach. This is the best gopher football team we've seen in our lives by far, and we lost some guys last year. That's awesome to see guys getting drafted from the Gophers team, but we are still going to be a very good football team, um, and I think have a shot to make it out of the Big Ten mm-hmm. as the number one team in the West. Yeah, and another note on Bateman switching numbers, going to number zero, uh, and I don't have the exact words up in front of me here. I should have them up, but uh, towards zero racism is what he says. This yeah, culture, zero tolerance. Yeah, zero tolerance. Thank you. Zero tolerance for zero racism. Uh, a really cool message. I mean, what brings us together like sports? Nothing else. I mean, it doesn't matter if you're black or white or Asian. Sports is, you know, it's for everybody, and everybody loves sports. And I think it's a great, it's a great message. I mean, he's not... He's not alienating any group. He's saying, let's all come together. There's zero tolerance for this. And what a message from the number one player on the Gopher football team uh, to kind of give. And I think that represents the culture perfectly. It represents what P.J. Fleck is trying to do. I mean, we've heard Rashad talk about it. We've heard Casey O'Brien and Seth Green talk about it on this show. I mean, he's not trying to build great football players. He's trying to build great people. And great people turn into great football players. And he's doing it the right way. Cannot wait to see them go here in about four weeks, absolutely jacked up uh, to see them face Michigan. And when he came on the podcast a long time ago, one of our early episodes, and we talked to him, um, that's what he said, the the kid from Georgia who came up to Minnesota and truly has embraced the culture Mm -hmm. of the Minnesota Gophers, but of Minnesota and the Twin Cities. um, Being a junior this year, he's he's a young man who is a leader for – the Minnesota Gophers football co- program yeah, and, and the, the community, yeah, and the community in Minneapolis of Minnesota, who's, the Twin City community. Yeah. He's a guy who is taking a great step back athletically and coming back to Gophers football um, and opting out of the agent in the NFL process now. But much more important than that, just opting in for the community and the racial issues and just being a spokesperson and somebody that younger Gophers and just fans like us and older people looking down at the Gophers uh, team now can embrace. And he has a platform now that Gophers players usually don't have um, going for first overall, if everything plans out in the NFL draft. He's in a great position now to set him up, to set himself up athletically and financially. And uh, as, you, as you heard, he's a smart guy when we talk to him. And I th- hope that uh, he uses the platform now to speak out the stuff he believes in and to get this Gophers program where Fleck and Bateman can take it and yeah. they can take it to the moon. And I mean, Minnesota is torn apart. I mean, we're just months after riots ravaged the downtown area. What better guy to bring this 
you know, to bring this city, to bring this state back together. Let's rally around Rashad Bateman and this Minnesota Gopher football team, and let's go win a Big Ten West title, and then let's go win a Big Ten championship title. This is the team to do it. They got a ton of talent. They got the best head coach in college football, and I just cannot wait to see them do it. Uh, that's really all we got going for us right now. Rashad Bateman earlier today put a video out on Twitter announcing his comeback. Uh, kind of a great pump-up video, exactly what we needed uh, following that Twins loss today. So let's end the show with that, BG. We'll play that for all of you now. Um, but until then, we'll, we'll see you guys all next week. And we'll talk, you know, Vikings, maybe a little gopher preview. And uh, maybe we'll see if we can get Rashad Bateman or Seth Green, one of the gopher guys on the phone here. For sure. Uh, give us a little preview for the season. So see you guys all next week. And day after day, I'm more confused. And I look for the light in the pouring rain. You know it's a game I hate to lose. And I'm feeling the strain. Oh, ain't it a shame? Oh, give me the beat, boys, and free my soul. I wanna get lost in your rock and roll and drift away. Give me the beat, boys, and free my soul. I wanna get lost in your rock and roll and drift away. Won't you take me away? Yeah. Beginning to think that I'm wasting time I don't understand the things I do The world outside looks so unkind I'm counting on you to carry me through Oh, give me the beat, boys, and free my soul I wanna get lost in your rock and roll and drift away Give me the beat, boys, and free my soul I wanna get lost in your rock and roll and drift away Won't you take me away, Guitars coming through to soothe me. Thanks for the joy that you've given me. I want you to know that I believe in your song. Oh, yeah. A rhythm and rhyme harmony. You help me Take me away.